Bible, we'll be in Luke chapter 2. So those of you that have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2. If you didn't bring one and you'd like to follow along, we will not have the words up here. So uh, we're just not that organized, <laughs> frankly. Uh, but, we would, we, but we do have Bibles, and they're in the Bible. So if you uh, would like to follow along, Luke chapter 2 is where we'll be for tonight. While those are coming around, uh, I will uh, pray. And we're getting those handed out. And again, if you don't know where Luke chapter 2 is, just ask, if there's someone around you that looks like they know what they're doing, ask them. Uh, if not, there's also a table of contents in your Bible, and you can find it there. Luke chapter 2 is what we'll be looking at for Christmas Eve this year. Are you ready to pray? You all with me? Good. on. Let's pray. Father, we're continually thankful daily for what you've done for us. Lord, and tonight we just get to be together and celebrate uh, as a special night the birth of Jesus Christ, light, love, salvation coming into the world. So Lord, uh, I pray that you bless our, our remaining time together just as you've blessed the first. We're thankful, Lord, for, uh, for what we learn about you from your word, Lord, for what you've done for us, for our families, what you've meant to us, Lord, as we just give you back the worship that, uh, that you deserve. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. So Luke chapter 2, we'll be looking at the story uh, of a man named Simeon. I don't know how often you hear this section of, of the Gospel of Luke preached for Christmas. It is part of the the Christmas story. Simeon is uh, likely an older man. We don't know for sure, but you'll see why we say that when we get to his story. But as we begin, many of you, if you looked at the website or you've heard us speaking of it, I decided to call the sermon tonight, and I don't often name the messages, uh, No Ordinary Child. And I think as you read, and, and we've read together the Christmas story over the years, that Jesus is no ordinary child. You see the things that have happened, the, the angelic announcement, uh, the virgin birth, the men from, wise men from foreign countries coming and bringing uh, the, the baby gold and frankincense and myrrh. I mean, no one did that when my kids were born. And then I got extraordinary kids. We all have extraordinary kids, don't we? we all, you know, there's a lot of extraordinary kids. There's hundreds of thousands of babies born every day. And we don't celebrate their birthdays. And, and there are some really extraordinary kids that are born. I did a little research on this. Thought you might find it interesting. There are some names, as you, if you Google extraordinary kids, there's some names that come up over and over again. The first one is this young girl. Her name is Cleopatra Stratan. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, she was born October 6th. I won't tell you what year just yet. In Moldova, she's the daughter of a singer. She's the youngest person ever to score commercial success as a singer with her 2006 album that I can't pronounce. Uh, you know how old she was when she recorded it? She was three. She holds the record for being the youngest artist that performed live for two hours in front of a large audience, the highest paid young artist, the young artist to receive an MTV award, and the youngest artist to score a number one hit in any country. Three years old, Cleopatra Stratan. That's an extraordinary kid. Maybe you've heard of Akrit Joswal. 
He's a young Indian boy who has been called the world's smartest boy, and it's easy to see why. His IQ, 146. And he's considered to be the uh, smartest person his age in India, a country of more than a billion people. He came to public attention when in 2000 he performed his first medical procedure at his family home. He was seven. Now, we're not talking that game operation. That's, we're not talking, you know, I performed my first medical procedure when I was seven, too. And then the, the, the light lit up on the nose and I got scared and dropped the thing. His patient was a local girl who could not afford a doctor, and she was eight. Her hand had been burnt in a fire, causing her fingers to close to a tight fist that wouldn't open. He had no formal medical training and no experience of surgery, yet he managed to free her fingers, and she was able to use her hand again. He focused his intelligence on medicine at the age of 12. He was on the, claimed to be on the verge of discovering a cure for cancer. He's now studying for a science degree at a college in India where he's the youngest student ever accepted. But they get better. There's one more I'll give you. Kim Ung Yang. He's a Korean super genius, born 1962. Might just be the world's uh, smartest guy alive. And that's what the Guinness Book of World Records, that's because they haven't met us yet. We have some geniuses here, I'm sure. By the age of four, he was able to read in Japanese, Korean, German, and English. At his fifth birthday, he solved complicated differential and integral calculus problems. I can't even spell all that. Later on Japanese television, he demonstrated his proficiency in Chinese, Spanish, Vietnamese, Tagalog, German, is that, did I say that right? Tagalog, that. See, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not in the running. He's got no competition from me. I can't even pronounce the name of the languages that he's proficient at. German, English, Japanese, and Korean. He was a guest student of physics at Hanyang University from the age of three until he was six. At the age of seven, he was invited to America by NASA. Any, anybody else in here been invited to uh, join in with NASA at age seven? It's an extraordinary kid. He finished his university studies, eventually getting a PhD in physics at Colorado State, and onward we go. They're pretty extraordinary kids. Now, I did figure out one thing. I did find out if, if, what they all shared in common. They, they all had a special gift given to them for Christmas. Nick, if you put the, you have the picture up there of the special This is why they all got to be extraordinary. No, that's not why. Where is it? That's why. They, they all had one of those. Now, if you haven't seen it, if you, and there's still time to shop. That's an iPotty. And I think that was the key to the extraordinariness of the kids. Okay, you can put... But that's one of the worst gifts of 2013, not suggesting that you run out and get one of those. Uh, if it's not broken, don't fix it, I say. We seem to all have done fine without the iPotty. But nonetheless, extraordinary, extraordinary kids. But none of their birthdays do we celebrate. Now, there are a few birthdays we do celebrate in America. We celebrate, now it's called President's Day, but it was George Washington's birthday. And then we added Abraham Lincoln to that. And we also celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday. And as I thought about that, what do they all share in common? They all fought for people's freedom. Two of the three... Uh, were, were assassinated for doing that. And what they did meant so much on a large scale that as a nation we remember the day they were born and we celebrate what they did. And now we come to Luke chapter 2 and we look at Christ. And here we are 
celebrating his birthday and recognizing that he was an extraordinary child, the only begotten son of God. Now, I don't understand that. If, if you came here hoping that I was going to explain to you what we call the incarnation, God taking on human flesh, it's not going to happen. I don't know if I understand it. You think about these things and you wonder, did he ever have a meltdown at the market as a three-year-old? You know, did, when he was a carpenter, did he ever miss and bang his thumb? And if so, what did he say? I think about this stuff. But did, I mean, did he drive every nail perfectly? You know, how much of him was human? And how much of him was divine? He's fully human, fully divine, but how did that look in his daily life like we I don't know the answer to that question. But I'm okay with the mystery of it. I'm all right with that. I don't have to know. But what I do know is chapter 2, verse 25, his parents take him, this extraordinary child, and they, they're still trying to figure out the, the, ap, the extent of his extraordinariness. And verse 25 says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout. So he, taught, he, he treated people right. He was just. He was fair with people. He was good to people. And he was devout. That has to do with his relationship to God. And he was waiting for something. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What's consolation mean? That's like the consolation prize is something that you get to make you feel better that you lost. But consolation is also comfort. He was waiting for comfort, for the comfort for his name. He looked around, he looked out his window, he watched the news in the morning, uh, well before there was TV, and he looked at what was going on, and he said, something is wrong. Something is wrong with, our, with the religion in our world. Something is wrong with the government in our world. They were under Roman rule at the time. And he knew that something had to change. And he knew what the Bible said. He knew what his Old Testament said. He knew what Isaiah had written about God making things right. And while there were people that were trying to make it happen in their own power, he knew that he had to wait expectantly for God to do it. And that's what he waited for. Day in, when so many other people were waiting for, oh, if I only could get that job, if I only, we could only move there, we could only accomplish this, that's what they're waiting for. But he was waiting for bigger things. He was waiting for more important things. He was waiting for hope. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So in his lifetime, we don't know how old he was, in his lifetime he was going to see this become a reality. I mean, how many things have we seen in our lifetime? Commercial uh, flights. Jet airliners in our lifetime, microwave oven, remote control TV, I, cell phones. I remember being young and you actually had to stand near the phone base. Now there was a story about a young girl. She, she had, what, was watching her mom frantically try to find a, the, uh, you know, the, the cordless phone, looking all over the house under the cushions, where's the cordless phone? And, and her, her daughter said to her, you know, they should invent a phone that's attached to the, to the, to the base there so you can always find it. They, there's a thought, right? Things come full circle. But in his lifetime, not jet flight, not cell phones, not I mean, internet, all this stuff. And this guy, in his lifetime, he is going to see hope from God for, for not just his nation, but for the world. And this is what he says. 
this is what the Bible says, he's going to see this before he dies. And so he came by the Spirit. God led him to go to the temple where they worship. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, they had some things they had to, some religious things they had to go through. He took him in his arms and blessed God. So Simeon sees him. He just knows. God shows, this is the one you've been waiting for. No one did that when I brought my kids to the grocery store or to church when they were in the nursery at church. Imagine, you, there you go into church and somebody, you know, grabs your kid and said, oh man, get, get, away, get away from my kid. Give him back to me. And he takes, the, he takes baby Jesus in his arms. And, he, and he, he sort of cuddles him there in the crook of his arm. And this is what he says. He says, Lord, now... You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And the word he uses there for servant means slave. He's been waiting. He's been given this task by God to wait and to be patient and to look and keep waiting. And, and here we are today. We look back on this. It's how Jesus came. He's been born. And he was rejected. And now we wait in the same way they, that Simeon was waiting. We wait for him to come again. And the Bible tells us to be ready. Because he can come any day. Like a thief in the night, he's going to come suddenly. So we wait for him to come back. But Simeon says, Lord, now I can depart in peace. The best gift that he had was that he got to see the one that had been promised. He got to see God's solution, God's rescuer, God's deliverance. And he said, now, now I can rest in peace. Now I can die in peace. So anytime now, Lord, I'm ready to go. And, and, and I know some of you have been brought here by relatives and some of you have been brought here by friends or invited. And some of, some of your relatives have been praying this thing for you. If only they could see what I see. If only they could know what I was waiting for and what I found in Christ. That would give you so much peace, wouldn't it, Mom? That would give you so much peace, wouldn't it, Dad? Just to know that, say, oh, that nothing else matters. Nothing, what kind of job you get, all that stuff, that's all fine. That's all icing on the cake. But to know that a person has seen God's salvation. Because a lot of you have tried it your way. A lot of people that have tried your own rescue to rescue yourself. Get yourself out of your own mess that you've made. Get yourself out of trouble. And, and that's not what... There were people in Simeon's day that looked at the news and all the stuff that was going on and they figured they knew the solution. There's, we're all armchair quarterbacks, aren't we? We all watch the news and we figure we know how to fix it. We're glad to tell everybody we know. I know what I would do if I was the president or what I would do if I was this. I look at the thing and I go, I'm glad I'm not the president. Man, there's some stuff in this world, I don't know where I'd start to try to fix it. It's so deep and so complicated, I don't know where I'd start. i got enough challenges in my own life. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation, what you're going to do. And some of you, that's what you need this Christmas. It's not enough of your own efforts to fix it. Enough of your own fixes, your own promises. Oh, I promise next time we'll be different. And you've been saying that for 20 years, that I'll change it. I'll be different, I promise. And what you need is the Lord's salvation. And it wasn't just for 
Israel. It's not just a Jewish thing. He says, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to who the Gentiles, that's non-Jewish people, to the whole world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the whole world. Remember a few years ago when we lost power for like a week? Well, maybe for some of you it was just a couple days. For me it was a week. We were out of power for a week. Now we have flashlights and lanterns and all this kind of stuff. You ever tried to accomplish stuff in the dark? How hard is that? You try to build something in the dark? <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. Is it hard, Jerry? Tell us. Amen. Light's pretty important if you want to accomplish stuff. And Jerry will bear witness to that very fact. I'm sure Pam has a few things to say too. <laughs> See, Pam, you didn't know you were going to be the, center, the centerpiece of the Christmas Eve service, did you? It's hard to accomplish stuff in the dark. Now, if that's true for, for a project, for woodworking, for just getting yourself you know, around the house without light, I mean, we take this for granted. Matter of fact, Helga's not here. She doesn't know it, but she's getting a hand crank lantern for Christmas. Why? Because I never keep enough batteries in the house, and it never fails. We're like the end of the end of the end of a dirt road off of the end of a dirt road. That's where we live. So when the power goes out, we are last to get the power back on. And I never, it always never fails. The storm's coming, and I don't have batteries. So we got candles everywhere, and, and it's just, a, so this year, She's, she's getting a hand crank lantern. So it doesn't need batteries. Guys, sometimes, guys, you've got to be working smarter, not harder. Because light is so important for daily life. Now, how much more important is light, truth, for your life? Really? I mean, think about it. Because we're not talking, we've got lights on in here. It, it still may be light when we get out of here if I ever stop. Uh, preaching. But we're not talking about physical light here. When he says he is a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles about God, about his way to be saved. And it's not about Jesus' teaching, it's about who he is. He is salvation. He is light. And boy, did I need some light in my life. Boy, did I need to know some truth in my life. I'm so thankful you know, for, for my kids knowing the Lord. Just the difference that knowing God's salvation. This is not just, don't just think when I say salvation, we're just accustomed to thinking heaven. God saved me from a lot of stuff I would have destroyed in my own life. He saved me from behaviors. He saved me from attitudes. He saved me from actions and activities that I would have engaged in that we call sin. I don't know where I would be had God not opened my eyes and the scales fell off like Paul on the, on the road to Damascus, Damascus when he was saved. And it's like the day I got saved, scales fell off my eyes and I realized that the light was shining for me, was meant to shine into my heart. invite Nick back up. Such a brief time. I want to invite you back Sunday. We're going through the Gospel of John. Now I know for some of you, you're visiting from out of town. It may be a real big commute for you. You've come from other states and stuff. I know it's a long commute, but there's probably a church near you. And God's Word 
and Jesus Christ. You know, we're, we're, we're looking at this Duck Dynasty thing. Everybody's about Duck Dynasty. I've never seen the show. We don't, we don't have cable TV. And so I don't know all, all the controversy. So I'm not, don't get, I'm not opening that can of worms tonight. Don't, don't take me there. But what I'm saying is the world, we look at it and we go, something's wrong, right? Is it just me? Or is there a lot of confusion in the world? A lot of differing opinions. And right here, tonight, Christmas Eve, we're celebrating the fact that light has come. Light has come. It's not, we're, our troubles are not from something we lack. It's from something we reject. Light has come, folks. We just have to open our eyes and see what God has already done and what God has already said. And then, man, you can depart in peace. You can depart in peace. Amen? Let's stand.